there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, holiday time, in between Christmas and New Year, so most people aren't working time. We're still working here at Go Balls 24-7 time. It's still cold, way too cold outside time. Trying to find the receipts on Christmas presents that you don't like so you can take them back time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly Friday afternoon in Knoxville. Normally we do our, our podcast, the, the Friday morning podcast, but I hope y'all can, can spare us a little bit this week. We're getting it out in the afternoon because, well, we're all over the place. I'm in Knoxville, but most of the rest of the staff is not. We've got uh, Danny Parker down in New Orleans covering the offense-defense a game down there in New Orleans with a couple of Tennessee signees and a couple of Tennessee targets down there. Uh, and we've got Grant Ramey on his way, probably somewhere on I-40, headed to uh, Fayetteville for the Tennessee basketball game tomorrow. And normally I would go with Ramey on road trips, but uh, I didn't I didn't do this one. So sorry, Ramey, that's a, that's a long trip. Hope you got some good books on tape, buddy, because that's, that's a lot of driving through. East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, West Tennessee, then the natural state, going all the way almost down to Oklahoma before you get to Fayetteville. That was a long trip. Sorry about that, buddy. Then we've got Ryan Callahan and and Patrick Brown, who are, uh, like most of us, doing a lot of holiday stuff right now, doing a lot of traveling. Because, you know, we, we, we don't get a ton of, uh, ton of opportunities where Tennessee is not – uh, at a bowl game this time of year. So a lot of us are taking advantage of that selfishly to to do a lot of the, the traveling that we don't normally get to do during the holidays, getting to see a lot of family. I know Ryan's uh, with his uh, – he's seeing some family in the in the Midwest and, and also some family in the Middle Tennessee area. Uh, Patrick and his wife are, are going up to the Tri-Cities and then over to Memphis and driving all over the place. Uh, we just got back ourselves, uh, my fiance and I did, from seeing her – family in middle tennessee over the holidays so we, we've all been all over the place and and so on this podcast it's going to be a little bit different what we're going to do is i'm going to have a a team conversation that i recorded with patrick brown just a few minutes ago uh, and then we're going to segue that into a separate conversation that ryan callahan and i had about recruiting earlier today as well so uh, th- this podcast kind of came together in a lot of different ways. I don't know if the audio quality is going to be quite as good as it normally is uh, because we've got a lot of those guys on the phone. So uh, that's a little bit different from them being here in studio with me where we have the better mics and all that stuff. So I uh, hope you'll you'll bear with us. Um, but you know what? This is a time of year where, you know, it's not always about us. It's not always about you. It's about the family. It's about it's about the people around you, the people who love you and making sure that they're, they're happy and healthy and having a good time and catching up with family and friends. And, uh, in this case right here, that means that my fiance has torn this studio, uh, to shreds because we moved in, uh, to Fort Rucker right before the start of preseason camp, which was great, but meant that a significant portion of the upstairs of this house, uh, and by that, I mean, the studio here and uh, a couple of other places where I've got my stuff uh, that still looks like it's decorated by Home Depot boxes. So on Friday morning, uh, the, the fiance decided that she was going to uh, start helping me unpack some things in the office, which I think was her really nice way of saying, you're not going to Fayetteville this weekend. You're not going to Tennessee's bowl game because there is no bowl game. So I'm going to take a bunch of this crap and I'm going to throw it all over this room and then you are going to help me put it back up because I am tired of looking at Home Depot boxes decorating portions of my otherwise beautiful home. That's what I think this is. And you know what? She's not wrong. I mean, I love Home Depot, and they don't sponsor us. I'm just saying I love Home Depot. Uh, Ramey's more of a Lowe's guy, and that's okay. That's not his fault. None of us are, are perfect human beings. But 
as much as I love it, I don't know that uh, this house needs to be decorated by Home Depot boxes much longer. So bottom line is we've got a lot of stuff going on, as I'm sure you do, and, and hopefully you're able to listen to this podcast and, and get some entertainment and some info out of it while you're on the road throughout the holidays being safe. And again, if you're going out there for New Year's Eve, be careful, guys. There's, I don't, you don't need me to tell you how, how dangerous the roads can be on New Year's Eve. So go out, have a good time, ring in 2018 the right way. Hopefully 2018 will be better for Tennessee fans than 2017 was because uh, that was certainly a bit of a stinker. But with the new coaching staff in place in football, uh, both basketball teams doing really well, uh, the men surprising pretty much everyone, uh, including maybe a few people in this market who thought they could be pretty good. Uh, that team's even better than than we thought it would be, and I was kind of bullish on that team. So uh, lots of good things to talk about, lots of positivity uh, with this Tennessee Athletic Department right now, new leadership, people coming together, kumbaya, yada, yada, yada. Uh, there's a lot of that stuff to talk about, and if you missed the basketball podcast, uh, we released that on Thursday morning. So you can go back and get that now. You can listen to that after you listen to this if you've got a long trip like, oh, I don't know, Grant Ramey does right now. So, guys, we're going to start this off with uh, the discussion that Patrick Brown and I had about uh, Tennessee football. Obviously, John Kelly deciding to go pro uh, and foregoing his senior season was a big deal. Uh, Tennessee adding Florida State defensive coordinator Charles Kelly uh, to a really impressive-looking staff under Jeremy Pruitt. That's discussed, as well as Pruitt trying to to multitask and doing a pretty good job of multitasking while – uh, finishing his obligations and responsibilities at Alabama while also being the head coach at Tennessee and recruiting and putting together a staff. So this is Patrick Brown and I discussing a lot of uh, team-specific information. Well, Pat, it's, it's kind of funny to sit here and, and talk about this because, as I just tweeted not long ago, we we made this plan of how we would all – kind of get this podcast done while we're all in various locations throughout the southeast or midwest doing stuff for for the holidays and then uh, right before we uh, go into this plan boom uh, john kelly uh, puts on instagram that he is going to go forgo his senior season at tennessee and going to enter the nfl draft and you know just uh, just another day here on the most interesting beat in america huh yeah and we were kind of i actually i think had a uh an update scheduled where I was going to kind of update the uh, where where a couple of uh, Tennessee's players were that were considering the NFL draft. John Kelly being one of them, I think I had that scheduled uh, maybe in the next couple of days. And and quickly we get uh, obviously some finality and some closure on on one of those. Uh, Rashawn Galton obviously is the one that everybody will be watching now, and um, I think a lot of us are under the impression that he's probably leaning towards leaving as well. Kelly to me was a little bit more 50 50. I think, uh, I don't know if I've said it on a podcast before, but I know I've said it on our board. Uh, I thought he was in a good spot in terms of, he had a lot of good film, uh, from playing for essentially a year and a half, but he also didn't have a whole lot of, uh, hits on the odometer. So, uh, I think that makes him attractive at, at some level. And, and certainly there were some question marks and there were also some reasons to return to, you know, uh, Jeremy Pruitt comes in and, and keeps his position coach and, and Robert Gillespie and, and Kelly told us back when uh, back in November that he was hoping that that Kelly or that Gillespie would be retained. So there are reasons for him to come back, but there are reasons for him to go. And uh, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of Tennessee players are probably happy to see him and go get his shot at the next level. Yeah, and I think this is a deal where. You know, my stance on this is, you know, everyone's got their own, you know, the right to their own opinion and all that. My belief has always been that if you are a running back and you are good enough to leave before your senior season, I would almost always recommend going ahead and doing that and leaving because, uh, you know, anytime you take a hit in football, it could be the last time that you ever play the game. And uh, But for running backs especially, the wear and tear at that position, you know, there's only so many miles on the odometer. There's only so many hits you can take that the human body can take and still perform at that elite NFL running back level. And if you're healthy, I think you got to go. And now maybe that means that if you come back and have a huge senior season, you win a, a championship of some kind and you maybe go a little higher in the draft. But, you know, these guys are in this thing. I mean, it's nice to have school spirit and everybody wants to have pride in what they do and they want to see their their alma mater perform well. 
But this is also a situation where these guys can go make a lot of money. And if someone had told me that I could have skipped my senior season at, in college and gone and made a lot of money going in the, the career that I wanted to go into, I think I probably would have taken that. So I, 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 don't, I don't know that I blame these guys for doing this. And, and I think, honestly, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and, and you know, everybody wants to say that everybody's got a hot take on these drafts things are you know they come out oh he's not going to get drafted there's a lot of people in my mentions that are excited that he's going to be part of this draft class at running back which is pretty good um i you know i think there's the potential that uh you know he he may be better when he gets out of uh, of an offense that he was in um and you look at his production i mean if if you're john kelly all you got to do is show everyone that you can the film of the florida game from this year i mean he was spectacular that game i don't even think the numbers uh, did it justice. I mean, being there in person and just seeing how he kind of just carried that team on his back. Yeah, best player on the field. Yeah, yeah, showed what he was capable of doing. Um, Now you look at the rest of his season, he had three 100-yard games in the first four games of the season, and then he never broke higher than 79. And then his final three games, he had nine carries for 17 yards, 25 carries for 47 yards, and 10 carries for 20 yards. So his production really really dipped pretty pretty badly at the end there and they're obvi- the obvious reason for that was uh tennessee was playing with you know a one-legged quarterback and then they were also playing with an offensive line that was down to five and in some cases four scholarship guys uh and so if you're kelly and you're looking at this team next year you're wondering how much is the offensive line situation really going to improve and, and obviously we've talked about it before the offensive line is probably the biggest concern with this team going into next season um, and that's a situation where you talked about the next hit could be your last. He's, he probably, if he would have stayed, he probably would have taken a lot of hits next year running behind an offensive line that's got some serious question marks. So I, I think that probably had to be part of his uh, decision-making process and something he considered much like uh, last season when Josh Malone, you know, he, had, he only had one good year uh, of film, but he was also concerned about what the quarterback situation was going to be like and when Tennessee was losing Joshua Dobbs. So, Uh, It wouldn't surprise me at all if Kelly probably took into account what happened at the end of this season with Tennessee's offensive line and said, I don't know that I want to be a part of that for a whole season when I've had some good, you know, I've had some good games this year that I can go on and and, and I can put that out there to the NFL people and and see what happens. And another thing to remember with Kelly is that, um, you know, he played special teams some his freshman year. So that's added value that he can provide uh, in terms of maybe being a coverage unit guy that could help him get a spot on a 53-man roster. Uh, whether or not he gets drafted. And uh, there were 26 running backs drafted last year, and uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find 26 running backs in this class better than John Kelly. Now, there are a lot of good ones in this class, obviously. Um, you know, on Johnson's one of them. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of guys. Uh, Chubb and Michelle at Georgia. Just in the SEC alone, there's a lot of good guys. But uh, I think if you're if you're ranking them, I think Kelly has to be within the group that'll, that, that has to be in the top of whatever that will probably get drafted. So, uh, I think it's you know we'll we'll see what happens. He's obviously got a got a chance to uh, really kind of show what he can do, and we'll see how he tests. And um, a lot of people might say that he's too small. Well, look at guys like Kareem Hunt, Trico, and those guys aren't very big, and they're having excellent rookie seasons in the NFL. So uh, who's to say Kelly can't can't be that uh, that caliber player as well? Yeah, and, and obviously Darius Geis at LSU is in that group too. I mean, there's a ton of those yes, guys. Yes, the other guy. The, yeah, you know, there's a lot of great backs in this class. But Bryce well, Love. Yeah, I mean, and, and as you just mentioned, Patrick, you know, you, you, I think you alluded to this too. But but my point on Kelly is pretty simple. Uh, I think as soon as NFL scouts get in a room with John Kelly and start talking to John Kelly. Uh, they're going to want John Kelly on their football team. And and as soon as they watch film of John Kelly, they're going to want John Kelly on their football team. As soon as they talk to uh, Tennessee's former coaches and Tennessee players about this guy, they're going to want John Kelly on their football team. I I just think he's the kind of guy with his mentality, with his work ethic, uh, with his kind of commitment to the cause every day, with the way he can play special teams, just his overall demeanor. You know, he's such a fun-loving, gregarious guy, but when he's on the field, he, he he's serious. He's serious, and he is, you know, in a good way, destructive out there. I mean, he's a guy who uses that speed to produce power. He's strong in the lower body. He's got good vision. He can accelerate really well. He can run good routes. He can catch the ball. There's a lot to like about John Kelly, and, and I'll go on record saying this too. I, I won't, I won't have anybody else speak for me on this. I'll just, this is just my opinion. But I think his whole, the, that whole police stop that that came with the marijuana citation. 
I think if you're not a quarterback uh, in the National Football League and, and you get one of those sort of you know marijuana citations, that stuff's legal in a lot of states, and it's going to be legal probably everywhere in this country in my lifetime. So I, I don't – unless you're a quarterback, which is a little bit different, I don't necessarily hold that against someone, and I don't know that an NFL team will either. So uh, to me, if that's the only partial red flag on Kelly and he's otherwise healthy – and then he brings what he brings to your team and your franchise every day, how great he'll be in the community too. People will love him. Uh, I, I just I see a lot of reasons why, uh, why you would love this guy. And, and when you get to the NFL, as we all know, everything is a, is a rush to your second contract. Your second contract is where you get paid. So as long as you feel like you're good enough to make a 53-man roster, then you just go to the league and you start trying to produce, and then you start getting towards your second paycheck. Yeah, and, and to add to your 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 thoughts on on the whole the the drug citation possession citation thing that cost him the Kentucky game, um, that seemed that always seemed like a one off for him. It seemed very out of character for him. You know, uh, I, I think I, I speak for at least most of our crew, and that that Kelly was probably uh, one of the one of our favorite interviews on the team because um, he was always very conversational. He was always very polite. He, it, a lot of guys walk in there and you can tell they don't want to be there. Kelly always kind of just was bubbly about it and seemed like he enjoyed it. Now, whether or not he did, who knows? He probably thought we were a bunch of you know morons asking dumb questions and stuff. But he always seemed like he was having a good time in there. And so that's just kind of who he is and I think, every facet, except when he's on the field and it's it's about ball and it's about business. But um, and, and that, that, uh, that Kentucky game gave Tennessee sort of a preview of what life would be like without him. And Frankly, I think you can make the case that Tennessee's offense and Tennessee's backfield is in really good hands because uh, you got a guy coming back in Ty Chandler that that can be a lead back, that can be uh, you can make him a focal point of your offense, and, and he he yeah I think he possesses the talent to do that. I think Carlin feels me was a guy that I personally probably wrote off a little bit too early. You weren't the only one. The, there were other lots of people who did that. Yeah, but I'll admit that I was a little bit. Uh, a little bit premature and traveling on, on his grave <laughs> as a potential playmaker for Tennessee. He's a guy that um, that could you know, that's serviceable. You know, we as a staff have talked about what Tim Jordan is going to look like in this sort of new pro style offense that maybe will will use him more as a downhill runner. And then uh, obviously we'll have to see what Jeremy Banks, the, the freshman, or I guess he will be a freshman. They've signed him last week. The uh, uh, the three star running back out of Cordova down in Memphis. We'll see what he could do. Not so, no one. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I got to mention it, but and not to mention that that it's in good hands, uh, Tennessee's backfield, because Robert Gillespie is the one that's going to be coaching it. And uh, I think we all know what he's capable of doing. And uh, I think it was pretty clear that uh, Jeremy Pruitt viewed him as a as a commodity. And that's why he retained him. So uh, Kelly's it's a loss for sure. I think if you're Tennessee, if you'd rather have John Kelly back next season for the first year with a new coach, I think the obvious answer is yes. But. Uh, I think the situation isn't, you know, it's not, it's not all lost. Uh, I think they've got a good situation there. And, uh, and certainly I think that music you hear now is, is Ty Chandler's music. And I think he's going to be ready to go. And, and he's also a, a, the kind of, he's got the kind of personality that you want um, in a running back that can sort of uh, carry him even further, uh, even with all the talent that he has and, and that he showed. In spurts, uh, when he got in, in games with, when Kelly was healthy, and then obviously in the Kentucky game where he had a, had a pretty big night. Yeah, and I think there's no question that Tennessee's going to want to add another running back to the class now. We'll see if the current commitment who hasn't signed, if, if he sticks in the fold. I, I like him as a prospect, but we'll see what the new staff thinks about him and, and maybe him not signing uh, in the early signing period is an indication that things are uncertain there. Uh, I think we can all uh, – it doesn't take a stretch to put two and two together on that one. But Tennessee does have a back signed and in, in the house, and uh, I think Tennessee's going to add it, try to add at least one more. I'm not the recruiting expert at this site but uh, or either of the recruiting experts we have on this site, but I think it's pretty clear that Tennessee's going to try to add another running back and, and should at, at least one more. So uh, I don't think it leaves the cupboard bare. I think Ty Chandler's a great player. Uh, like you, I was impressed with Fields and me this season. I think he's uh, one thing that I'll, I'll, I'll give, uh, I guess, former, I should say, former Tennessee offensive coordinator Larry Scott a lot of credit for is, is he said, and he told me early, way before the season started, he said, Carlin Fields and me is a lot stronger than you think he is. And you, you watch him run, get his pads low, and, and he does have some, some good pop there. Uh, so, so I think that, that they do have some options there. They do have some guys who can do some things. 
so we'll see where all that leads to. But, you know, before we were going to mention John Kelly as the, the focal point or the main point of this podcast, we had another Kelly we were going to talk about, <laughs> and that's Charles Kelly. Uh, the I guess you, you would call him now the former defensive coordinator at Florida State who looks uh, perhaps locked and loaded to be a member of Tennessee staff going forward in 2018. Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, I think Jeremy Pruitt's new staff had one, maybe two, maybe three open spots. You know, he had, he had seven coaches here, uh, or he had seven coaches hired pretty much like the next day. Uh, now he's obviously back at Alabama. And so is Kevin Shearer, who's going to be Tennessee's defensive coordinator. And of course, Tennessee has Tennessee has not announced any of these hires. Um, and there was some confusion yesterday with Kelly about, did he have, you know, was he still in play at Colorado state? You know, to be the defensive coordinator there for Mike Bobo, that's not going to happen. That that ship has sailed. He's he's going to be uh, on the staff at Tennessee. Uh, we believe he's going to be handling special teams, and I think he probably will be involved in the secondary. Yeah, maybe safeties uh, in some way as well. Obviously, uh, Terry Fair is is the defensive backs coach, but there's a lot of uh, when you bring Charles Kelly on board, there's a lot of uh, defensive back expertise on the staff. When you look at what Pruitt did. Uh, and what Pruitt has done in his career, and obviously Kelly coached um, those positions as well. Fair, I guess, would probably be the cornerbacks coach because that's what he played uh, both at Tennessee and in, and in the NFL, and, and that's what he coached at Colorado State. So uh, Kelly's got experience coaching special teams, and he's got experience coaching defenses, and uh, I don't think Florida State's defenses uh, were great the past couple of years, probably not as good as you'd expect with the talent that they bring in down there, but um, if you're adding him as a position coach, I think that's, that's a pretty solid hire. Um, he's a guy that's got some recruiting chops as well. And, and, and again, there, I think like half of this staff, like at some point in their careers, coached high school football in Alabama. Seems so, like that, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, Pruitt, Shearer, uh, Kelly had a couple of stints as an assistant. Uh, of course he played at Auburn too under Pat Dye. So, uh, another guy with Southeastern ties and, uh, you know, anytime you add a former defensive coordinator to your staff in a non-coordinator role, I think it's it's probably a, a good thing. And um, obviously, he and Pruitt have have a connection from having worked in Florida State and won a title with the Seminoles actually in 2013. So, um, and again, we always circle back to the whole like Greg Schiano, like who was trying to hire him. Well, there was at least a, another program that wanted Kelly as its defensive coordinator. Yep. So I think that speaks well to. Uh, uh, you know, it's better that that was the case than that nobody was trying to hire. Yeah, and, and in 2015, Florida State's defense under Kelly was, uh, you know, ninth in the country in scoring defense, uh, 19th in total defense, 10th in yards per play allowed. So that if that's not an elite defense, it's certainly a really good defense, especially because those stats are all compiled uh, despite Florida State playing in some really important games late in the season, obviously. So, you know, the, the, there's – there's a lot to like there, especially as a as a position coach. And and when you talk about, as you mentioned, if you're adding Kelly to a group that also has Terry Fair and oh by the way Jeremy Pruitt uh, there to help coach the defensive backs, because you know it, it. Nick Saban's joked before that he's the highest paid you know GA in the country because he's basically Alabama's cornerbacks coach and always has been. So, you know, a guy like Pruitt can certainly help uh with those guys on the back end and 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 i i like this staff and i'll, I'll say this much though there's not a lot of hair on this staff uh, i've noticed that also <laughs> it looks like and right. hey you know that they've they're gonna save a lot on the shampoo bills uh there in the in the anderson training center because th- this is a lot of uh as the men and blazers might call them power balds on this staff yeah and they, they'll need to save whatever money they can because this staff is shaping up to be rather expensive uh, that's a professional a whole, segue right there, folks. Uh, I did a, I did sort of a recap of what the staff looks like. And you look at what some of these guys were making last year. I mean, I think just counting off the top of my head, one, two, three, four, five of the eight guys they've hired were making above half a million dollars a year. And one of those guys that wasn't was the guy that's going to be the defensive coordinator who there was some talk that Alabama might want Kevin Shear to replace Jeremy Pruitt. So, it's going to be a uh, an expensive staff. So, if they can save some money on the on the shampoo bill, that's probably a good idea. Uh, and, and actually, looking a little bit more into it as you were talking, Wes, the four states defenses were I think like 50th, 44th, and 29th in scoring defenses, other than the year they were in the top 10. Correct. 
Now those don't those may not seem those may not seem good given the, you know how Florida State's recruited, <laughs> but if you're Tennessee, those are that that would be a huge improvement if you're 29th in the country in scoring defense, given the last couple of years. Um, so and, and again, you know Kelly's not going to be the not going to be the uh, the defensive coordinator anyway, and so you know that was uh, you know special teams is going to be interesting to see because that was that was Butch Jones's baby that was what he loved. And that's actually where I think he may have improved Tennessee the most on the field was that they were always pretty solid in special teams. Uh, so we'll have to see if Kelly can kind of do the same thing. So, uh, yeah, and, and you mentioned, you know, there's a lot to like about this staff. I think uh, we had a question on our board the other day about, you know, can with all these guys that have, you know, been in big-time programs for a long time, can they all gel and get along? And certainly there were chemistry issues, uh, uh, you know, with Butch Jones and his staff. And I think, you know, you won't know until you get everybody in the room, but you got a lot of guys that know what it takes to win at this level. And you got a, a lot of guys that have connections to each other, and they've all sort of been in the same boat. They've all coached at places like Florida State and Georgia and Alabama. You don't have somebody coming in from Penn State as sort of an outlier. You don't have some guys with Midwest ties and some guys with SEC ties. It's pretty much everyone has a connection to this league and this conference, and they know what it takes to win. So, and, and and to to add and sort of spin it forward, if they're able to get Brian McClendon as their wide receivers coach, that just I think that's the icing on or the cherry on top of the Sunday here with this staff because uh, that guy's a pretty legit recruiter as well. I think he's been a number one recruiter twenty four seven sports in the past. So I have to double check on that, but yeah, uh, he's a guy that if you're able to bring him in and we'll see what happens. I think they're sort of waiting on him and to see what happens with him in the South Carolina offensive coordinator position. He's supposed to call plays in the uh, Outback Bowl against Michigan. Uh, I believe that game's on Monday. Uh, and if, if South Carolina Against your favorite him, coach, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah against uh, the most overrated coach in the country, the, the fifth-best coach in the Big Ten East. Uh, if, if he doesn't – if Will Muschamp goes a different direction with that job, and, and who's to say with Matt Canada looking like he's going to be on the market, that's another guy out there that, that Muschamp could hire, then – you know, if McClendon doesn't get that job, he may be willing to come to Tennessee. Now, I would think even if South Carolina doesn't give him the full-time OC job, I think they're going to do whatever they can to keep him anyway because uh, he's that good of a coach. But, again, he's a guy that, that's, you know, coached at Georgia, played at Georgia. He, he knows Pruitt. They've worked together on the same staff. So uh, if they could get McClendon to wrap this staff up, then that you, you have to say this is a pretty pretty big league staff that Jeremy Pruitt's bringing in and, uh, and, and certainly – you know, I, I think that would, you know, when, when you're, you, you don't have very much to grade Pruitt on so far. I mean, he was only like in Knoxville for like two weeks yeah. before he went back to Alabama, but what he's done so far, I mean, I think you have to be pretty pleased with it. Now they just got to go out there and, um, and, and sort of, you know, make it happen. And, and we'll see if they're able to close big on, uh, with this class, with his recruiting class in January. But, uh, I think Kelly's another nice addition to this staff and if they can get McClendon to wrap it up, then, you got to you got to be pretty happy for Tennessee fan yeah, given yeah, how you got here. Yeah, every time I think about Matt Canada, I, I think of how much it would have been awesome if he could have coached Michael Vick back in the day, who used to, you know, because Vick used to use the alias Ron Mexico when he would sign in at hotels, and then you could have had a you could you could have had Matt Canada. Uh, coaching Ron Mexico, which would have been like, uh, I think that's like half of the cast of like the Expendables or something. That would have been like an awesome sort of action movie roster of names there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that when you look at what Pruitt's done so far, you know, there were a lot of questions about whether, you know, if he was trying to coach Alabama while, you know, recruiting and getting his staff together at Tennessee, would he be doing either program a service at that point or would he be doing both programs a disservice and you know the proof will be in the pudding for for how Alabama plays defensively uh, in that that that's that semifinal game it's obviously a tough matchup and, and we'll see how that goes but you know I, I think selfishly from from Tennessee's fan standpoint they don't really care about that they, they care more about how he's doing as Tennessee's head coach at that point and to me when you look at the way that they've kind of taken their recruiting class from where it was going into signing the signing period the early signing period to where it is now and you look at the way he's been able to compile this staff I, I think it's kind of hard to hard to complain about this I, I think the one thing that interests me though Patrick and I guess we'll end with this one is you know Pruitt's got a lot of really good alpha tendencies in him and he's going to have to be an alpha because one of the things is you talk about having problems to have and some problems are good problems to have, but they're still problems. And I just wonder when you bring in this many 
big-time assistant coaches with the kind of big-time salaries they're going to be making, you know, you're going to have a lot of chiefs in that room. And Pruitt being a first-time head coach, how he handles all of that, uh, because you'll have a lot of guys who have a lot of input on what they should do offensively, what they should do defensively. And these guys have, have called plays before. They've called defensive plays before. They've they've made big-time recruiting calls before. And, and Pruitt's going to have to be able to, to kind of step in that room and be an alpha, and I think he can do that, but he's going to have to. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about managing – managing egos and, and i always remember one thing that, that that derek dooley once said was you know when he talked about staff chemistry he's like we don't you know we're, we're together in a room in a building for hours upon hours a day it's not like they're up there singing kumbaya and holding hands i mean there's going to be times where professionally there's going to be things that you disagree on and and that's true and and just about any career. I mean, there's, there's things that we disagree on as, yeah, as I mean, the Goval's 24 yeah, seven staff. So my boss, yeah, it, my bosses. Yeah. I think every boss I've ever had has wanted to murder me at least 10 times. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, it's about managing egos and about, and it's about managing personalities. And, uh, you know, because Pruitt's gone back to Alabama, uh, myself, and I don't think anybody else in, in this market have had a chance to, you know, have, have a sit down interview that with him, that, that seems to be pretty standard with, with new coaches when they take over new jobs and, uh, certainly it's understandable why that's not a complaint on my part. It's just, that, you know, Pruitt, he pretty much left his intro and began recruiting. And then it was balls to the wall with that, you know, trying to get that class done. And, and it worked out because they added some really nice players. I think they're up to six guys that they've added. And then he went back to Alabama. So I understand why, but even talking to people about him and, and kind of gauging how he was just in different settings, he seems like a guy that's going to take absolutely zero BS. He's going to, he's going to be no nonsense. And it's going to be his way, or it's not going to be, or it's not going to be a way. So, um, I think he's got the personality that you need to to manage those egos and, and to get everybody on the same page and pulling in the same direction. And uh, it, he's clearly shown that he's got enough uh, contacts in the coaching community and, and enough guys that he knows that if there's a guy, if there's an assistant or two that's not working out or not getting the job done, then you know he, could, you know on past his first year and then later on into his tenure that, you know, he, he can go a different direction if he needs to. That's, uh, that's part of being sort of a, a CEO. And I know people hate that term because Butch Jones uses it a lot, but uh, that's sort of what you have to be as a head coach. You have to delegate responsibilities and you have to trust your assistant coaches to do their jobs and you have to let them do their jobs. And that's something that uh, I don't think Butch Jones did a very good job of. I think he was a micromanager and uh, I don't, I don't think Pruitt, uh, at least on the outset, at least, having seen what he's like a little bit and bits and pieces and having talked to uh, different people about him, he doesn't seem like he's going to be that type of coach. Now he's going to have to be involved because as again, you've got a lot of guys, as you mentioned, Wes, that have a lot of experience that, that know what they're doing and have done things uh, certain ways for most of their careers. And, yep. and it may not work at Tennessee. It may not work. And, you know, it's going to be different recruiting at a place like Tennessee than it is at a place like Alabama or Georgia or Florida state, you're going to have to be able to, in terms of the evaluation process and when you offer guys and things like that. So uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of managing of egos to, to go around. And that's something that I think Pruitt will have to learn a little bit because he's never had to do it as a head coach before. But uh, certainly when you've, when you've seen guys like Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher and Mark Rick do it, uh, certainly you're going to pull what you've learned from those coaches and try to apply it uh, to your first job. And, uh, again, his personality seems like no nonsense, no bull. <laughs> He's going to yeah. do things what he believes is the right way. And if that doesn't line up with what you do, then you're going to have to adjust and you're going to have to late, you're going to have to uh, assimilate yourself to, to what Pruitt wants. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have any a hard time throwing some country hardball and backing somebody off of his plate. I don't think that's going to be. I don't. I think going high and tight's not going to be an issue for that guy when he feels the need to. So he he strikes me as the type who could handle that quite well, uh, quite quite easily. So uh, we'll see how all that goes. But Patrick, I know you like the rest of us. You're out there traveling a lot for the holidays. So stay safe, my man. Have have a good holiday. I hope everything's been doing. Awesome, and uh, uh, come on back here to uh, to Fort Rucker when you get back in town because we got a tiny little uh, Christmas gift for you. So uh, appreciate oh, it, man. Nice, safe travels, and uh, and I, like I, I'm just saying this. I, I I got y'all stuff. I don't expect anything in return because y'all come here to the house to the studio all the time, and I don't go to your house all the time for the studio stuff. So uh, that that's why we're doing that. So just just come on. Well, by. You- 
but you know my wife as soon as i tell her that that this she's gonna she's gonna demand that we go out and, and get you and, well don't tell her beforehand and yours something don't tell her beforehand then uh, we'll see if i can pull that off problem solved man problem solved well anyway appreciate it patrick thanks and uh well, i guess we'll see you in a couple of days buddy all right Wes, appreciate it that was patrick brown and myself discussing some uh, team specific information vis-a-vis the vols here is uh, ryan callahan and i talking about uh, tennessee recruiting well, Ryan, there never really seems to be a, a quiet time in, in Tennessee football recruiting, I guess, especially the closer you get to uh, what's the classic signing day. I know there's two signing days now, so this is kind of the maybe the calm between the two storms, so to speak, right around Christmas time now. But uh, definitely not a quiet week for Tennessee as uh, it looks like the Vols have added another, uh, not just commitment, but another signee to this class. Yeah, we're really uh, one that I think caught a lot of people by surprise, the fact that he kind of uh, snuck into Tennessee signing class during the early signing period last week. Jameer Johnson, four-star offensive tackle from Arizona Western College out in Yuma, Arizona. Same school, of course, that produced uh, Jonathan Kongbo a couple of years ago and a teammate currently of uh, a four-star tight end and Tennessee signee Dominic Wood Anderson. So one of those one of those four guys from Arizona Western College that Tennessee hosted the final weekend before the early signing period in Tennessee now has signed two of those guys. Uh, so, so a pretty successful uh, visit weekend for those guys to, to get them all there together and end up getting two of them. But the, yeah, the, the interesting element of this, and it, it'll be really interesting to see if this continues in the future, as long as this early signing period is a factor. But what we started hearing whispers over the weekend coming out of the early signing period of, you know, is this going to to lead to guys being silent signees? We've heard of silent commitments over the years, had never really heard of the the possibility of silent signees, and it ends up being a, a case where Tennessee has one. So fascinating that to see that that kind of unfold. But he wanted to go ahead and sign during the early signing period, even though he's not an early enrollee, and just wait until he got back home to Philadelphia with his family to uh to announce his decision and, and celebrate with them so uh it, it was it was kind of uh surprising to a lot of people but obviously a big deal for tennessee to go ahead and lock up that fourth offensive lineman in this class and and, and uh, continue to address a, a big need obviously for them yeah and, and for those who who need a little more background on him ryan just mentioned he's from arizona western college that great pro- program out in yuma arizona the matadors uh, but he's originally from philadelphia went to uh, the fabulously named emotep institute in philadelphia and and ryan it, it seems like you know you look at this guy and, and you go wow you know a top 20 maybe overall juco player top five juco offensive tackle prospect uh, maybe needs to get just a tiny bit bigger if his listed size is accurate but still uh, you'd rather put probably good weight on an o-lineman than take bad weight off of one and so that's just good news in and of itself but then you look at this th- these connections here uh, he's pretty close uh, former high school teammates i believe with uh, another big time kind of offensive line juco a prospect that the Tennessee's looking at. Yeah, John Carlo Valentin uh, went went to went to Imatep there in Philadelphia with him. Uh, and and Valentin, of course, if you if you don't know his backstory, he actually signed with Oklahoma coming out of high school back in 2016. Uh, was at the opening uh, a couple of years ago with Trey Smith, uh, the Tennessee offensive lineman, when when Trey was just a junior, uh, and and Valentin was out there as a senior, so they know each other a little bit. Um, so there's a couple of connections now between Tennessee and Valentin that are worth watching. And uh, and I think that certainly helps Tennessee, obviously, to have Jameer Johnson on board. Uh, so definitely bodes well, considering that Valentin is one of the main guys. Tennessee kind of has its sights set on for another offensive lineman in this 2018 class. That obviously became a, a more pressing need for Tennessee with what happened throughout the season between the injuries. Uh, you know, Chance Hall's future looking kind of murky. Uh, Jack Jones' career being over. Vinza Boulware transferring out. You need some depth in the offensive line. They, they definitely, I think, would like to sign five guys at least if they can. So uh, looking for one more. And, and Valentin, who is a, likely a guard at the next level, uh, looks like a, as, as good of an option as they have on the board right now. So the fact that there's another connection between Tennessee and, and him now uh, certainly bodes well for Tennessee's chances. And, and like you said about, about Johnson himself, on top of all that, uh, he, he's, a, he's a really interesting prospect on his own. Uh, he, that, that is a, a pretty up-to-date listing we have on him, 6'5", 278. Uh, he, he was listed around 290 at one point, but he said coming out of his official visit to Tennessee uh, that he weighed in around 278 during that trip. So he, he is a leaner tackle, needs to put on a few more pounds, and that's okay because he is a three-years-to-play-three guy. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman right now, so he's one of those junior college guys just like Jonathan Kongbo was coming out 
who has three three remaining seasons to play if he wants to use them. So uh, he's not a finished product by any means, but still as a junior college guy, I think he'll have a chance to compete for early playing time and at least be uh, in the mix uh, as, as one of Tennessee's top three or four tackles, no matter how it plays out, I think, uh, later you know, in the, in the 2018 season. So definitely a big pickup for them and uh, addresses a major need and a guy that even Butch Jones's staff had targeted before Butch Jones was fired back in October. They offered him the new staff picked up where they left off and uh, just kind of continued to make him a priority and, and, t- and it pays off and Tennessee gets him. Ryan, I know you, you've already sort of hit around the edges of this, but you know, when you look at, at the just dire need Tennessee had for offensive line help in this class and you know, what does adding Johnson do to that group as a whole? Uh, and I, by that, I mean, the I guess the incoming the signees the incoming class well, what does that do for that group of offensive linemen and what uh, what adding one more kind of solid piece do to to that group in terms of going forward giving it options bolstering it etc cetera, etc cetera, at all yeah I, I think you uh, I think you like the group that they have coming in because it's uh, it's sort of a well-rounded group they've got a couple of tackles now uh, in Tanner Antonuti and Jameer Johnson both of those guys around six five and uh, 270 plus. So, so both leaner tackles right now, uh, but, but have, have that good athleticism and length that, that you think they'll, they'll stay at tackle most likely. Uh, then you've got a guy in Jerome Carvin who could play, uh, could play tackle if needed maybe, but probably projects a little better as a guard. So he's around 330. So you've got the guard there. Uh, and then in Ali Lane, you've got most likely a center, but potentially a guard uh, in him as well. So a couple of interior guys, a couple of tackles. You like that about the, the group they have right now. They still, you know, guard again, as I touched on uh, last week, uh, it's a big need for Tennessee. Uh, you know, guard is, is where they got hit the heaviest with their attrition with Jack Jones and Venzel Boulware both being gone. Those are those are both guys that projected as potential starters in 2018 at either guard or center. So, uh, so Tennessee needs interior help. And that's, again, where John Carlo Valentin likely projects. So if they can get a, a guy like that to add on to what they already have, you you could almost, you know, lay out Tennessee's five offensive line signees across the board with two tackles, two guards, and a center, uh, depending on how you align those guys. So it's a, it's a well-rounded group, uh, and you've got a couple of guys at least who who project as as potentially immediate contributors. So uh, Jerome Carvin's an early enrollee, uh, Ali Lane also an early enrollee, but likely will need time to develop. Carvin might need some time to develop too. And Jameer Johnson coming in the summer obviously is not ideal. He's not an early enrollee, so he won't have as much time to settle in and get ready to play immediately. But he is someone who can, I think, even arriving in the summer, will have a chance to compete for uh, at least a spot in Tennessee's rotation there on the offensive line. So uh, that, that's that's big to add that kind of depth, obviously, and they, they need it uh, coming off what kind of season they had in 2017 as far as injuries and just uh, the attrition that they had that kind of unexpectedly last year. You know, Ryan, when you look at, at sort of this being the, the I don't know if you want to call it the all-star season of high school games, but it's kind of uh, that's kind of how I tend to think of it. You've got all these sort of these games coming up. You've got the U.S. Army game, the Under Armour game, the offense-defense bowl. It's about about to start getting thick and fast with those, and, and one starts here uh, really soon, here in just a few hours from the time we're recording this podcast, and uh, we've got boots on the ground there, don't we? Yeah, Danny Parker is down there for us at the uh, the offense defense All American Bowl in New Orleans. Kind of the uh, the forgotten one of the three national All Star games in, in a way. It's not on national TV. Doesn't get a lot of national attention compared to the other two. But Tennessee has some some signees down there and some targets. Uh, the signees including Jerome Carvin and Jeremy Banks, the teammates uh, at at Cordova High School and in West Tennessee. Uh, Jacob Warren, the tight end signee from uh, from Farragut, also is there. Uh, so Tennessee well represented in that game and some some important targets as well, including uh, Rashad Williams, the the cornerback uh, who's committed to Vanderbilt uh, from Memphis. Uh, so so definitely a, an interesting group of guys. And, and I'll be curious to 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 see what comes out of that game, what, what kind of reports we have about uh, the way some of those guys perform and, and sort of a, you know, at all star season is always interesting, especially for those of us in the in this in industry, because it's in some cases the only chance you really have to evaluate guys before they get to college in sort of an apples to apples setting. You're not, you're not worried about the competition level as much uh, as when you watch their high school film or see them in person. You're, you're not wondering how good is this guy lined up across from him that he's manhandling right now. You know that he's facing at least somewhat of a peer in terms of talent and, and abilities. So, uh, so that's, that's why you look forward to this kind of uh, this, this week, the all-star week uh, and, and next week's games are certainly the, the headliners of those, the Under Armour All-America game on, on Thursday, 
down in Orlando and then uh, and then the U.S. Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio coming up next Saturday, January 6th. Uh, so to, to have those, uh, it, it'll be an interesting week, certainly for recruiting updates uh, for our entire teams that will be at, at both of those games, uh, as well as the offense, defense, bowl. And then uh, on top of that, just how those guys perform that week of practice is always really big in determining some guys' final rankings as you get a, a really good chance to see guys go head-to-head and one-on-one competitions and things like that to really see how they stack up. Uh, so Tennessee signees like Elante Taylor, he's down at the uh, the Under Armour game. That'll be a big opportunity for him, especially at wide receiver, to see what he can do after he played a few different positions in high school. Uh, and then the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, not as uh, not not as much happening there from a Tennessee perspective, but we'll see if Greg Emerson, that's the, the defensive line signee from Jackson, is able to do anything coming off his injury this season. He's been kind of hopeful that he would be able to play uh, at least do some some things in practice while he's out there. So we'll see if he does anything in San Antonio uh, during this upcoming week. But that'll be certainly something to watch over the next week. And we'll, we'll, we'll preview those a little bit more in depth uh, what, next week in the podcast. But definitely something to watch to, to see what those guys are able to do in an all-star setting and see what comes of this as far as Tennessee targets because a lot of names that are at that game uh, in Orlando and also the Army game in San Antonio – both of those games are now potentially loaded with some Tennessee targets because new names that weren't on the board before are popping up as legitimate options for Tennessee or at least potentially in play with this new staff going after a lot of new guys. So it'll be an interesting week as far as finding out where Tennessee really is uh, kind of with, with some big names uh, going down the home stretch. And Ryan, this should have been the first thing I asked you. I got a couple things left, and, and really this shows you my skills as a as an interviewer. It's kind of weird to interview one of your own coworkers, but uh, <laughs> you know this probably shows my skills as an interviewer here. But you know, I should have asked you the thirty thousand you know feet above question as the first thing off the bat. It, that newest signee, I guess it's weird we keep wanting to say commitment, but the new signee, Jameer Johnson, uh, pushed Tennessee, I believe, into the top 25 of the national recruiting rankings. And, and when you look at where Tennessee was kind of heading into you know the start of the early signing period, um, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that despite having to kind of mix his time between being a – you know, finishing up the drill there down at Alabama as the defensive coordinator and being the head coach at the University of Tennessee and, and recruiting for the Vols, you know, kind of doing all that at the same time. It looks like Jeremy Pruitt is, is you know, done a pretty good job of, of kind of, you know, managing both sides of this and, and doing an admirable job kind of uh, earning paychecks from both places. He has. And, uh, and now I do think there's one thing you've got to preface that that current ranking with, and that is that uh, our, our team rankings – that have Tennessee in the top 25 right now are, are still based on commitments, not just the players Tennessee has signed. So there are three Tennessee commitments who have yet to sign who are counting toward that team ranking. Uh, and that's DeAndre Lidiker, the defensive tackle from Murfreesboro, uh, Anthony Grant, the three-star running back from down in Georgia. Um, still, still not sure what's going to happen with, uh, with those two guys. And then, and then the three-star linebacker, Matthew Flint from down in Alabama as well. And it looks like he's likely to sign somewhere else. Uh, at this point and, and ended up postponing his signing until February because of that uh, after he once planned to be an early enrollee. So with all that uncertainty, it, it's, it might be a little bit misleading to see where Tennessee is ranked, but it's still a good indication of the fact that they can get back in the mix there. Um, I, I said all along, you know, from the time Jeremy Pruitt was hired, I still would be surprised if it's a top 15 class when it's all said and done, or it would be really, really impressive if it was a top 15 class. It's, it's still within the realm of possibility. It's not, it's not crazy to think that that could happen, but that's still kind of the ceiling, I think, for this class is if they really got the stars to align and got some big names down the stretch, it could end up being a top 15 class. But I think the most likely finish, probably somewhere between 16 and 25, and that's a big range, but it depends on who they get, where those guys finish in the final rankings, who other teams get, of course. Uh, but they, they've shown with where they are now and how, how close they are to, to, to being serious contenders for some major names down the stretch. Uh, that they've got a chance to finish pretty well. And, and, and you see that with first-year first, first year coaches a lot. But just from the guys they've gotten so far, Jeremy Pruitt and his staff, I think, have shown he's got some good recruiters on the staff, we know, and they've already shown they can, they can get the job done in the SEC uh, just in a very short time. So you have to be impressed with what, what they've done. And I think they've shown uh, in, in their first few weeks on the job that they're going to be major threats uh, for, for anyone they go after in recruiting. Ryan, and this will be the final thing I got for you, and, and this will give people another kind of heads up as to how things can go in this business. Sometimes you and I were, were talking about uh, exactly the, the kind of things we were going to mention on this portion of the podcast and other things. And then lo and behold, 30 seconds before we, we start recording this thing, it pops up, hey, you guys, I think John Kelly's going pro. 
So uh, Tennessee junior running back John Kelly looks like he's going to forgo his final season of eligibility, and he's going to uh, matriculate his way to the National Football League. And in doing so, Ryan, I know I'm kind of throwing this question at you right now, and I haven't had time to really uh, sit down and look at it either, but uh, does that potentially change anything with, with Tennessee here in the next couple of weeks uh, on the recruiting trail? Does that maybe get Tennessee uh, into the living room of a, of a big-time running back that was available, or, or, or do we have any idea uh, what kind of changes this might come with? Well, I, I think it offers some insight into why Tennessee was so adamant about getting two running backs in this class, and I think that's still their plan. Uh, you know, they, they previously would have had all five scholarship running backs coming back. Uh, now you're down to four with John Kelly out. Um, so that, that, that gives you more of a need for two running backs in this class. You don't necessarily have to have a guy who can come in and start right away from, from the 2018 class, but that's something you can sell for sure. Uh, and, and it will help them. I think down the stretch, uh, try to go after some guys. So, uh, Tavion Thomas, we, we, we've already seen Tennessee offer him, uh, the, the Oklahoma commitment from up in Ohio. Uh, he, he's at least one target to watch down the stretch at running back. We know they're, they're also in the, in the mix for a, a kind of a two-way athlete, but he's, he's currently committed to Georgia tech as a running back. And Wes, if you haven't seen this name yet, I know you're going to love it. Sebo Flemister, uh, Big is fan. a running back. Big yeah, fan. Get, a, get him, get him Vols, get him. And on top of that, he's from Zebulon, Georgia, one of the best named towns get him, uh, Vols, in, in get the him. Southeast. Uh, so yeah, Sebo Flemister, and he is a, he is a, a, a kind of an under the radar running back commitment, but he, he could be a cornerback at the next level as well. So we'll see what, uh, what, what Tennessee's plans for him end up being. There's, there's been some indication that sec- secondary might be, uh, in play for him just as much as running back there, but either way, I think they definitely want another running back. We'll see what happens with Anthony Grant, of course, the current commitment from down in Georgia that we mentioned, but I think they really would like to sign two running backs if possible. And I know they've been telling recruits already, even before the John Kelly announcement, that they they really were, were thinking there was a good chance that he would go pro. And they were certainly selling that in recruiting uh, to guys like Jeremy Banks, who, of course, ended up signing with him during the early signing period. So it is a big deal to lose him. And it's something that, that does you know maybe help your sales pitch. The fact that you can point to, hey, our starter is gone. There's a chance for whoever comes in to really you know, at least come in and compete for early playing time. So it is something that's going to help them. And I think it does you know, add to the sense of urgency, at least to get another running back. And I think you always want to have six running backs on the roster if possible, just because it's so hard to keep guys healthy there sometimes. Uh, and sometimes players transfer. So you want six. And if possible, I think that's why Tennessee would like to sign two in this class. Well, Ryan, man, appreciate it. Th- thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping in and helping us today. I know you're doing a lot of travel over the holidays as we all are. So, uh, safe travels getting back this way. Appreciate it. Well, uh, we'll see you guys back in the, uh, in the Rucker Ranch studio, I guess next week. Or oh, Fort Rucker, yeah, right? Come on now, we, we've we've Sorry. upgraded to the to the two story home. This is this is now this is now Fort Rucker. But other than that, I still want you to have safe travels. That's right. We'll we'll see you in 2018. All right, see you, Ryan. Well, there you have it. That was Ryan Callahan and I discussing Tennessee recruiting after Patrick Brown and I discussed a little uh, Tennessee team specific information for you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. I know we had to. The, uh, the the audio quality of this one might not have been what they usually are. I had to edit some more things and do some stuff. Hopefully, I was able to do that in a relatively non-ignorant manner. I know that's typically a bridge too far for someone with the intellectual ability of myself, but I hope that this turned out all right. And, and again, before I get out of here, guys, have a very, very good, very fun Uh, but also very safe New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Enjoy the college football. Enjoy your family and friends, most importantly. And uh, stay in one piece. And we'll see you all for what will surely around Tennessee, uh, because it's always interesting at Tennessee, but what will hopefully be an interesting 2018.